1975, when I was born again, God began teaching me to meditate in the word that he gives me, the concept that he gives me, and think on it day and night so that I will have enough strength to actually do the word of God. I even sometimes read the Bible just looking for things to apply to my life. But often what God will do with me is, by the Holy Spirit, he will remind me of the scripture that I need for that exact moment in time. Sometimes it will be a printed scripture as I'm reading the Bible. Other times it will be brought to my mind as a thought by the Holy Spirit. I'll be reminded of that scripture. Sometimes it will be a concept of something to do. Each of those are the word of God. And as I think on that word and really diligently think on it when I wake up in the morning, think on it when I go to bed at night and examine myself to see that I am actually doing that word throughout the day, that's when it becomes power and alive to lead me in the way of God at that moment in time. I'll give you some examples today from my life because I don't know examples from your life to use. So I'll give you examples from my life. The current scriptures upon which God has me meditating are Titus chapter 3, verses 9 through 12. But avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and striving about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. A man that is an heretic, after the first and second admonition, reject, knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth, being condemned of himself. There was a time that I just kept giving them teachings over and over and over and over. That doesn't work. If they reject the first teaching or the second teaching that you give to them, you have to walk away from them. They will drain you and consume your time and you will become depressed and grieve over them. That does not work. And here, toward the end of time, toward the return of Jesus, it's especially dangerous because we see the wickedness of the world. We know Jesus' return is imminent. For many of us, it will happen during our lifetime, I believe. The Apostle Peter told us, seeing that we look for these things to be diligent, that we are found by Jesus in peace without spot and blameless. That is in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 14. You cannot live in peace when you are worried and troubled about someone in your church who calls himself a Christian but really doesn't follow God. You will not be able to live in peace 
and be around that person because that person will always trouble you. There will be something he will say or do that troubles you, that you know is not the way of God. To try to live with that person, to try to spend time with that person, fellowship with that person, go to dinner with that person, it won't work. You'll be pulled down. You will not get him to do the scriptures, but he will pull you down. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12, in the end times, he said that it will really, really be bad. Toward the end times, even the elect would not be saved unless the time was shortened. But for the elect's sake, the time will be shortened. He also said, because iniquity abounds, the love of many, and I believe that is for the word of God, the love of many for the word of God, it will, it will be gone. They'll, it will leave them. They won't have that love that they had at the beginning. They will not have it. It will grow cold. But Jesus says, for those that endure to the end, the same shall be saved. We want to endure in things of God. We want to endure to the end. We are not going to be in peace by living around those who say they are Christians when they will not heed the scriptures and conform their lives to the scriptures as we have done. It's impossible. So I have been being taught by God that after the first or second teaching, first or second admonition, just reject him, knowing that he is subverted and sinneth of himself. And truly, that is right. It is a sin to fail to go by the scriptures. It is a sin to fail to pray and get all of your troubles resolved through God. It's a sin. And if we partake of their sin by becoming their God, then we sin. So we just can't do it. Well, God is using this scripture in Titus to reconstruct my life. Titus chapter 3, a man that is an heretic, who will not heed the scriptures. After the first and second admonition, reject, knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth, being condemned of himself. So don't give him more scripture. Don't walk in his path. Don't be there. Just remove yourself. I'll give you a specific example. A woman who is a Catholic became a friend of mine years ago, and she was wanting to go to have dinner with me and things like that occasionally. But I was very concerned because I knew as a Catholic she's going to be calling those Catholic men father, those priests father. By the way, there are no such thing as priests in the New Testament. There are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, but no priests. That's Old Testament. Anyway, she was going to be calling them father. I went down to Barnes & Noble and looked in a Catholic Bible to see if in Matthew 23, I believe it's verse 9, 
if they printed that scripture where Jesus says, Call no man your father, for one is your father, even God. I looked to see if those Catholics printed that in their Bible. They did. I was amazed because they teach their people to call those priests father, but they printed in the Bible where Jesus said, call no man father. So I sent her this scripture from the Catholic Bible. It's exactly like the New Testament King James Version Bible. Same scripture printed in both Bibles. About three weeks passed, I did not get any response from her. She was in Arizona at the time. We lived in Texas at the time I did this. I didn't get any response from her for about three weeks. And then she said, thank you for your message. She kept going to the Catholic Church and calling those priests father. What I should have done is this scripture in Titus chapter 3. But I was not enlightened at that time on doing this scripture as I am today. And you can't do a scripture until you're enlightened by God on that scripture. So I don't believe I sinned at the time by continuing to keep company with her occasionally. But today I wouldn't do it. Because they sin, and if you encourage them in any way in their sin by being friendly toward them after they show you their sinning, you become a part of their sin. And very often people want you to be their God. They want to tell you their troubles. They want to pile all of their concerns on you instead of turning to God. See, they don't believe in God. They don't really believe in Him. They can see you and they can hear your voice, but they're not really sure that God will hear them. They aren't. God's not really real to them, though they say they're a Christian. Now, some of them have been Christians, have done this all their life, have been churchgoers calling themselves Christian and failing to do the Word of God. My cousin is 97 or was 97 years old. I really don't know if she's still living. But she was 97 years old when this happened. She said to me by letter, I do very well during the day, but I get so lonely in the evenings. Her husband died 10 years ago. I was very excited because I said to her, Oh, well, then when you start to go down in the evenings, just turn to God and ask him to help you. He will. And then I gave her Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, will keep your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. So she had the answer. About two or three weeks later, she sent me another letter. And in that letter, she said, I do so well through the day, but I get so lonely in the evening. You have to put that type of person away from you. You can't communicate with that type of person 
who calls herself a Christian but will not do scripture. You must not do it. You can't work with that person. You will never be able to teach that person for this reason. God is not teaching that person. If they were being taught by God as we're supposed to be, she would already be doing that scripture. And she wouldn't be trying to cast her burdens upon me. Now, you know some people like that. Christians who are always telling you their troubles. One time, a young man visited me, and he was from another part of the state of Texas, across the state from where I live. But he visited me, and he told me, he said, Oh, it is so nice to be around a godly woman. And then he said, It must be nice for you also to have me here because you can tell me your troubles. And I said, Well, I don't do that. I don't tell my troubles to other people. He said, You don't? Well, who do you tell them to? And I said, God. And he just froze. And then he said, Oh, this is just amazing. But we should be going to God with all of our concerns and problems and praying over them. Let your requests be made known unto God. Let him be God, not another person. Don't try to make another person your God. You just end up putting your burdens on that person. Do the word of God. Let God be God. Not only does he know everything about your past, everything about the current time where you are concerned, but he knows the future. And he will lead you in a path where the future circumstances can be overcome if you will turn to him. Now, which of us knew this coronavirus was going to hit? Which of us knew that they were going to shut down the businesses in the United States and all over the world? I mean, that was something we've never seen before. But if you are following God all the months prior to this, He's going to get you in the right place at the right time for the storm that comes upon the earth so that you can weather it successfully. If you are living in debt, how can you be at peace? How can you be at peace? I mean, I couldn't. I could not live in debt and be in peace. But when the coronavirus hit, I wasn't in debt. I had been living since 1975 out of debt because God instructed me, get out of debt and stay out of debt, and that's the way I lived in the years from 1975 forward. So when the coronavirus hit, I didn't have any debt and had money saved. You just can't live like this world. We can live We can enjoy the things of the world, but not abuse them. Let's say that you build up a big debt on your credit card. And then you die. And they don't get paid. That's just a terrible way to live. You You can't live the way of the world as a Christian. You just can't do it. That's the way of the world to do it that way. Well, every night when I go to bed... I look at these scriptures and try to examine myself 
by the scriptures that I have been meditating on and trying to do throughout the day to see if I have done these things during that day. So once again, the instruction that God has me doing at this point in time in Titus chapter 9, verse through verse 12, chapter 3, 9 through 12, Avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and striving about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. A man that is an heretic, after the first and second admonition, reject, knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth, being condemned of himself. Another scripture which God has me looking at and strongly doing is in Matthew chapter 11 verse 15 he that hath ears to hear let him hear present the word to him if he can hear it and do it fine if not he will go on to his own destruction but you can't make him hear just leave him alone present the word leave him alone Don't try to make him understand it. You can never do that. Understanding is from God. And you can't do it. If he is being taught by God, as a real Christian is, he will understand and he will apply the word. But if he is, as the vast majority are today, who are not being taught by God because they put them in the church in their churches by their own will by going forward and being baptized but they don't have the spirit now i was baptized when i was 15 but that's because i did not want to go to hell but i did not have the spirit of god i continued to live just exactly as i'd lived before i was baptized but then when i was about 38 years old god spoke to me and said Joan, you know all these mistakes you've been making all these years? Those weren't mistakes. Those were sins. And I said, oh, sins? I didn't know they were sins. I thought they were mistakes. At that moment, I was born again. Changed. After that, I didn't live the same way I'd been living, and I was rebaptized after that. Baptism is being identified with Christ in his death and resurrection. As the minister lowered me into the water, the Holy Spirit said to me, this is like being buried with Christ. As I came out of the water, the Holy Spirit said to me, this is like being raised with Christ. We are raised with Christ that we walk a new life when we are born again. But those other people cannot do that. They cannot do the scriptures as we do. They cannot understand the scriptures as we understand them the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of god for their foolishness unto him that is in second corinthians uh, chapter 2 i think verse 14 so that just can't happen he can't so what you do is you warn them once or twice leave them alone let him that hath ears to hear let him hear You can't make them hear. And this is what God is teaching me at this point in time. Walk away from them when they can't hear you. Another set of scriptures, which I'm learning at this point in time, 
and have been working on for a couple of months. Proverbs 1, starting at verse 10. If sinners entice thee, consent thou not. The sinners I come across are not the people at the bars because I don't go to bars. They are people from the churches. So if church sinners entice thee, consent thou not. That's Proverbs 10. And then it says, verse 15, Walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path. For their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. I have to take that scripture and keep it before me day and night. At night, I think of that scripture after I go to bed. That's the last thing I do at night. I think of the scripture. I think of each part of that scripture. Am I really doing this? Have I done this throughout this day? When you get it deeply enough inside you, you can easily quote that scripture. When it becomes a part of you and lives in you and fully lives in you, but it may take weeks or months for that to happen. I've been on this same scripture now for at least two months. Every morning I think of that scripture when I wake up. I quote that scripture. I think of the verses. Every night I do the same thing, thinking of that scripture, quoting that scripture, saying that scripture, thinking, did I do this today? In every encounter of today, did I do this scripture? checking myself, examining myself. This is what we have to do. So looking at this scripture, If sinners entice thee, consent thou not. I consider this to be church-going sinners, people who talk about being a Christian or talk about the greatness of their own churches, but fail to apply the scriptures to their own lives if they somehow entice me toward themselves by causing me to think I can help them. That's mainly the enticement that I have, is trying to help them. And I used to just help them and help them and help them and help them. I have one woman who was with us for 39 years, and she constantly troubled me. And I constantly, so to speak, helped her by giving her the word of God. She said she was a Christian. She was raised uh, in some type of Pentecostal church. And for 39 years, she troubled me. It never worked for me to try to help her. God was not teaching this woman. The spirit of God was not there. She wanted very much to be a Christian. But I can't make anyone be a Christian. You can't make anyone be a Christian. The greatest evangelist that ever lived can't make them be a Christian. God adds people to the church by his will. You have to accept that. The Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. That's in Acts chapter 2, toward the end of the chapter. So you just have to understand, and I have to understand, that all we can do is speak the word once or twice to these people. And then if they can't do the word, we have to walk away. Just knowing 
that they are subverted and sinners and condemned of themselves. A woman came to me this past year saying she's a Christian. But then she began asking me a bunch of questions about church doctrine. Now she should have asked God those questions and read the Bible. If she was of God, he would have caused her to understand. She asked me, as I'm sure she's asked many other people in her path, when she thinks they're a Christian. Turned out she was only interested in accumulating bullets whereby she could attack her own father and the doctrine that he had taught them as a child. For she disagreed with the doctrine, and she wanted to prove her father wrong. I, don't, I didn't have any more to do with this woman. I was having her do a service for me, and I just canceled the appointments that I had with her and no longer used her for this thing and got someone else to do the work. Walk not thou in the way with him. Verse 15 of uh, Proverbs 1. Don't walk in their way. Don't do as they do. Don't even think of doing as they do. The world does one thing and we do another. The world lives by credit card and debt. We learn from God, don't do this. This is not a good way of life. If you follow all the scriptures, all these things just kind of work out for you. Refrain thy foot from their path. Don't go in the places where you are likely to see these people. Don't pick up the telephone and call them. Don't send them emails. Don't show any sign of friendliness or communication that causes them to contact you. When they've shown you, they will not follow Scripture. Yet they call themselves a Christian. The world, we don't judge the world, but we are supposed to judge the church. 1 Corinthians 5, Paul tells us this. We expect the world to do these things, but not the church. Our own Bible teacher at Word of Faith was committing fornication at the time he was teaching our Bible class. A woman mentioned to me one day about his girlfriend. I didn't know he had a girlfriend. None of us at the church knew he had a girlfriend. He was living a secret life while teaching Bible class. And he was even called an elder at the church, although he should have never been called an elder. He was a divorced man, was not married, had only one child who lived in another state. It says for an elder or a bishop, they must be the husband of one wife having faithful children who display that they are godly. For if you don't know how to control your own household, it says, how can you control the church if you don't keep your own household under control? So those are requirements for an elder. Well, this man was a divorced man. He didn't even, as far as I know, see his only child. They lived, I think, in California. We lived in Texas. But anyway, he was committing fornication at the time he was teaching us Bible. When I found out, I went to him, and 
he him hawed around about the girlfriend. I finally said, Are you having sexual intercourse with this woman? And he said to me, Of course. I said, Oh, you know the Bible as well as I do. I can't have anything to do with you. I can't come to your Bible class. I can't communicate with you in any way. And he said, Yeah, that's right. He didn't care. Why can't I try to counsel him and turn him? Because Paul said, put him away from you. He didn't say counsel him, pray for him. He said, put him away from you. This man knew as much Bible as I did. You're not going to turn him. He will turn you if you try to be around him. He will cause you to somehow approve him in his sin by his personality, which is charming, or his intelligence in this case was very high, and he will cause you to think well of him while he's committing adultery or fornication. You just can't do it. You can't go where they go. Refrain thy foot from their path. If they're likely to be there where you have to greet them, you don't want to do that. You have to avoid them, for their feet run to evil. I told you about that woman that had been with us for 39 years and couldn't follow God. Their feet run to evil. They are always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth because God is not teaching them. They're wanting us to teach them. But if we belong to God, it is God who teaches us. We read that in 1 John chapter 2. For the anointing that we have as we're born again, it teaches us. If God is not teaching them, we cannot teach them. If God is teaching them, we can share things of God with them. And when we share things of of God with a person that God is teaching, that person will light up and say, oh, yeah, that's what that means. They look at us and shake their head up and down and try to seem excited over the things God has given us, but inwardly they're really not. They just pretend to be. You absolutely cannot Continue with them. That scripture of ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth is in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7. In that same chapter, Paul says that wickedness will be, the wickedness of man will be worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. He's talking about the church people. Jesus said the same thing in Matthew chapter 24. He said, in the last days, many will come in my name, saying, I am Christ. They'll say, Jesus is Lord. They will say they are Christian. Jesus warned us, let no man deceive you. You have to watch and see what they do with the scripture. If they do the scripture and are thrilled over the scripture, I believe then you can can accept them and you can share at least until they show you they're not going to receive that scripture. You can share with them for a while at least, 
But if they will not do the scripture, how can you share with them? You can't make them understand God is not taught. Well, God hasn't given them understanding. Now, in Hebrews 3, verse 2, For to unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. I attended this church, Word of Faith, for probably five years or so. At one point, our Bible teacher, who was committing fornication, said to me, well, I was talking with him, and I said something like, well, I thought I was like the people at this church. And he said, Joan, you've never been like the people at this church. He said, they talk about faith, but you really live faith. You live it. Well, I did, and still do. Because it's great to follow God. It is the greatest thing I know when God will give me a scripture and I can conform my life in as much as I am able to do to that scripture. Keeping it before me day and night. Enabling me to do it. God giving me understanding on how to apply it. There's nothing greater than this. It's like going into a field and finding that great treasure like Uh, Jesus described, and selling everything you have to buy that field, giving up every friend you have if you have to in order to get that treasure. It's the greatest thing that can happen to you. It's greater than gold and rubies and friends and anything. There's nothing that equals the Word of God. There's nothing more important than having that scripture to follow and doing that scripture. And it's exciting, and I delight in it. It's the greatest thrill of my life, and has been since I've been born again. So for 40 some odd years, I have been doing living life this way, scripture by scripture by scripture. And I love it. But the word, they heard the same word I heard, but they didn't do it because they didn't have faith in God. They didn't do it. They talked about faith, but they didn't have faith. Faith without works is dead. When we have faith, we do that word of God. Verse 6 of Hebrews chapter 4. Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. They did not believe the word of God. Our delight is in the word of God that God gives us by a scripture, by a concept brought to our mind by the Holy Spirit, by a dream. Each of those are the word of God when they're from God. We delight in following them and They put us exactly where we should be. In March 2020, at the height of that coronavirus problem, in the very peak of it, God gave me a concept by the Spirit of God. And the concept was, sell all of your old sound equipment, everything that you're not using and want to sell, sell it. Well, how can you do that in the height of a coronavirus when people should be scared to death? 
to spend money. Well, he said to do it, and so what we did is we listed all of our old sound equipment on an internet website called Audiogon, which sells high-level sound equipment. Everything we listed sold. Often we would have three or four people trying to buy the same item. One of our $4,000 items was shipped to Hong Kong with the buyer paying the shipping. We ship stuff all over the United States at the, the buyer paying the shipping. Everything we had sold. Everything. At the height and peak of the coronavirus. We just accumulated the money and let it sit in a bank account. And when I needed to purchase a preamp, which was costing $4,000, I had the money there to pay for it, cash for it without touching savings. Later, we purchased a new car, and I wanted to redo the sound equipment in the car. It sounded awful, to me at least. So I was able to go to an audio specialist and have him rebuild the interior of the car with upgraded equipment and speakers and an amplifier and even a subwoofer. I had plenty of money to pay for it from the money from the sound equipment. See, God leads us. One man, at the time we were selling the sound equipment, someone contacted us and offered a very low price for some item. And he said, after all, it is coronavirus. You you can't expect to sell this in the coronavirus. Well, we had about four people trying to buy that same item at the same time. And he thought we would basically give it to him. We didn't. We sold it to the highest bidder. But everything we put out there sold. God told me to sell everything we weren't going to use, and I did it. So then when all this other thing happened, we had money because I was following God. That's what following God is. It's doing not only the scriptures, but it's doing the concepts brought to your mind by the Holy Spirit. And doing what you're shown in dreams. Following the word of God. Well, many people go to church and many people say they're Christians. But few of them, very few of them, actually follow the scriptures, doing them. So this is the key to the power of God. Following the word of God and meditating in it day and night. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. I have written out these scriptures for you so you can see all these scriptures, almost all of them. You can see them on our blog, Jesus Ministries Exhortations. The right-hand side of the home page, click on podcast. You will see these scriptures on today's broadcast. The blog's name, once more, is Jesus Ministries Exhortations. 
Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.